Um, you're going to want to look for somebody who is trained in dealing with trauma. Okay. Um, and I have a bias towards probably finding somebody who is trained in EMDR, uh -huh. which stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing, or at least some kind of work that deals with bodily work. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss the new documentary, Leaving Neverland, and what that means for families. What kind of conversations should we have? What can we learn? What should families know? What should families look out for? And much more. And how can families support their spouse if this is something that has happened to them? Stay tuned. I'm going to go ahead and self-promote here. I've co-authored my first book. It's called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance, and it's part biography, part self-help, part leadership book, and a part sports story, and it's very inspirational. It tells the story of the UCLA gymnastics head coach, Valerie Condos Field, who has become one of the winningest coaches in NCAA history. Yet, she never did gymnastics. In fact, she's never even played competitive sports in her life. She was a professional ballerina. As you can imagine, she has an amazing story and she is an amazing person. And I'm really proud of the book that we have put together. It's out now wherever books are sold. And again, it is called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Oh, and if you read it, please leave a review or email to let me know what you think. Thank you. everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined today once again by the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Uh, it is always great to have you on. And for those tuning in for the first time, uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Uh, Karen is also the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. And she is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Um, so th this past weekend, um, I watched the... A uh, new documentary out called Leaving Neverland, which is about Michael Jackson. Well, I take that back. It's not about Michael Jackson. It is about two men who have come forward um, accusing him of sexual abuse, um, childhood sexual abuse. And um, it has just sparked a lot of conversation in the circles that I run. And um, so I thought after watching it and the thing, but so first off, let me just say this up front. Um, I highly recommend this documentary for anybody who is a parent, uh, because this is probably the best depiction of grooming behavior I've ever seen documented. Um, it's two parts. They're like two hours each part. Um, it's extremely well done. And then afterward, there is also a, um, chat with Oprah Winfrey with the two um, men and the director of the film. And then they go on and talk about um, some of the other stuff. But what struck me about this documentary was 
how the families handled the situation and what was going on with them. And um, particularly, they interviewed the spouses of the two men um, and how after all this time had passed, all of a sudden they found themselves in uh, deep depression or having panic attacks or all this other stuff. So I, you know, the, um, the bells went off in my head of like, oh, we should talk about this. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to bring up is I, I mentioned the Oprah um, talk afterwards. Um, actor Anthony Edwards, who uh, most people probably know him from Goose on Top Gun, and he was also on ER, um, he uh, has come forward as a sexual abuse victim, um, a childhood sexual abuse victim, and he has this foundation called the One in Six Foundation, um, which is to represent the number of men who have been um, sexually abused. Um, and so... It just really drove home the point that this is a very big issue for both genders, not just um, females, but also males. Um, so uh, I know that was quite a lengthy intro, Karen. Uh, but so I, I want to start it off and just put it out there because so many of these spouses were kind of in the dark. They could see that their husbands were struggling, but they couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. And so what are some of the signs that your spouse is dealing with some old trauma? Okay, so before I answer that, I want to address something else. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm going to take the question that you always ask at the end. You know, do I have any more to add? Not a problem. And I'm going to put it in now because I think that um, it's an important point to raise and to really start this podcast off with some information as to what is sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, I think when they hear that term, assume that it is, you know, something really grandiose like penetration or molestation or something like that. And it's not. Sexual abuse is anything uh, where the boundaries um, have been crossed over and there is inappropriate uh, sexual behavior. So um, it could even include um, making inappropriate comments, you know, verbally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it could be um, inappropriate touching, um, but it doesn't have to be the whole enchilada, shall we say. Exposure um, as well. Yeah, absolutely, exposure. Mm -hmm. um, so, unfortunately, I did not see the documentary. I have a question. Do you know, is it going to be aired again? Um, it's on HBO, and mm -hmm. I know that you can catch it on demand. That's actually how okay. we watched it. We didn't catch it live. Okay. Um, and I was going to add, too, that the, I'm, I'm really glad that you raised this point, and this is why I also recommend watching not just the two parts of the documentary, but also the Oprah part, because mm -hmm. Oprah brought this up. She brought up the fact that for so long, um, one of the first questions people ask when they hear about um, sexual abuse is, is there, was there penetration and, and things of that nature? And she, she pointed out, um, as you astutely are doing as well, that it's not just that. There's Correct. a lot more to it than just that. So Correct. Okay. Um, okay. So now, um, getting to your first question about what are some of the signs that your spouse is dealing with some old trauma. Let me also say <laughs> that many times people actually don't remember it. Right. Um, it is something that is very scary, um, very painful. And so the psyche, uh, in order to help people deal with things, very often represses it and 
push meaning re- pushes it down from memory and um it, it, it it's it's not that the person uh is necessarily just choosing not to talk about it they might actually not remember it right. and some people listening to this might think well that's you know what do you mean you don't remember it but that is actually a mechanism that our psyche or psychological way of dealing with things uh, uh, handles painful experiences, not only sexual abuse, but anything that could be painful. Now, that's not to say that that is a mechanism that is what everybody uses, but it can be. And I'm going to give you a really quick example mm-hmm. Um because I think it, it really speaks to the issue. Um, many, many years ago, there was um, a woman who was reaching the age of 40, um, and she went into a major depression, and she had been a Miss America. Um, and everybody assumed that the depression was because she was reaching 40, and here she was, you know, a former Miss America, and this is, you know, a, a hard age to reach 40, and, you know, you're mid-age now, middle age, and, you know, perhaps you're questioning your beauty, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, it also turned out that at the same time she was turning 40, her daughter was turning 13, Mm. And that was the age at which she had been sexually abused. Interesting. And she had repressed it or pushed it down. But when her daughter was turning 13, it triggered the memory. And that's why she got depressed. Um, I'm going to throw in a quick spoiler here. Um, yeah. Is that inaccurate? No, 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 no. Spoiler in terms of the documentary. Um, oh, okay. The One of the men described how it was after he had a son and mm-hmm. the son started to grow, um, get a little bit older that he started having nightmares right. of what had happened to him. Mm-hmm. And that is when he was like, Oh, maybe I need to see something. So tell somebody about this and see, get some help on this because this is not right. Um, okay. The other, the other thing was Oprah, brought up the fact that while she has done 200 and some episodes on childhood abuse, um, it wasn't until she was 42 years old and one of the molesters who she had on her show said something that triggered her. And at the age of 42 was when she finally had that episode where she started to recall things and Mm -hmm. started that healing process for herself. Right. So this is not atypical, okay? It is a way that, as I said, the psychological or psyche part of ourselves protects us. Okay, so what are some of the signs? Yeah. Okay, so if you, you know, often as a psychologist, what we look for is, is there something different in the person's behavior? You know, did the person get depressed out of nowhere? Did the person start acting agitated? You know, is there something different about their behavior? One, another thing for me is that when I see a triggered reaction, that's an indication to me that there's something going on for the person. Now, let me say a lot more about that. Okay, okay. Okay. So, in life, obviously, there's lots of things that go on that could upset us. However, 
when we have a reaction where the reaction is instantaneous, way too strong for what the situation would have called for, mm-hmm. and you can't let go of it. In other words, somebody explains it to you, or let's say somebody said or did something that upset you, and they apologize, and you can't let it go. Mm-hmm. That, to me, those three signs, the reaction is immediate, it's very intense, and it doesn't mitigate. It doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Those are indicators to me that it's hitting something that has a lot of roots to it, literally. Yeah. So that's not to say that whatever, the let's say the person didn't invite you to a party. Uh-huh. That's not to say that you're not upset by that, but it's really because there's something in your past that this represents, and it's touching that nerve, and that's what's coming up. So, for instance... With this gentleman on the show, he starts having nightmares when his son reaches a certain age. That His son reaching a certain age is the trigger, and now he starts having reactions vis-a-vis the nightmares, and that's indicative that something else is going on. Mm -hmm. So those would be signs that there's some trauma or some history that is difficult um, for the person. Got it. Okay. Am I am I articulating that clearly Perf- enough? Perfectly. Yeah. Perfect. I think perfectly. Yeah. That uh, I think it's great. And I don't normally do this, but my entire book, Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, is about this in particular, not necessarily sexual abuse, mm-hmm. but about these triggered reactions and knowing when you're having them and offering tools to help people. Uh, deal with it. Yeah, no, I think that's excellent. I mean, um, uh, it's great to know that you have an entire entire book that can help people. So um, by the way, you can find that on Amazon. You can find that on Karen's website, drkarensherman.com. And we also have links to it on our website, hitchmag.com. So yeah, thank you for letting us know about that. Okay. All right, next. (laughs) Okay, so the next question then is, so if you are seeing these kind of signs, do you have any recommendations for approaching your spouse? And in many instances in the documentary, for example, um, one of the things that kept happening repeatedly was, particularly in this very specific situation where Michael Jackson had uh, already been accused of abusing kids And so when that happened, you know, their spouse, their mother, their brother would come to them and say, did did he ever do anything to you? And their response was like, no, never. Like, I mean, uh, so they would continually deny it. So how, what, do you have any recommendations for how to approach a spouse? um, Yes. Okay. Well, let me explain first of all, why they're denying it. Okay. Because they feel ashamed Mm -hmm. and they feel that it's their fault. And so um, there's a lot of embarrassment, um, you know, having to do with it. Um, What was I going to say? So that's why they're denying it. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
most children, it's very typical when something happens, um, they believe that it's their fault. That is typical of children. They believe um, that it's because of something they've done. Mm -hmm. They don't think that, you know, if, if, if the a parent or the adult is doing something, they assume they must know what they're doing. So, so can, I, can I ask a quick question? Mm-hmm. So in the documentary, one of the things that they talked about a lot was um, how Michael Jackson had seduced them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, in fact, it wasn't even that they thought something they had done was wrong. It was that they were in love with Michael Jackson and they thought well, that they were in yeah. this relationship with Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to let mm-hmm. him down. Yes. Um, so, well, it, it you know that's of course what happens if it's a parent or mm-hmm. you know also they they must know better you know they're the authority. There's lots of reasons, yeah. but the point yeah. is that there's still shame involved in right. it, right? And so you're going to deny it. So the best way really to approach the person is, you know, I have some concern. Some of your behavior seems to indicate that something's bothering you or something's troubling you. And whatever it is, I want you to know that I love you. I care about you. And I'm concerned. I don't want you to have to be dealing with things that are uncomfortable for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, again, whatever it is, I'm here to back you and support you. And I'd like you to, you know, consider, you don't want to push someone because the normal reaction to being pushed is to um, say, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to consider, you know, possibly talking to someone about what you've been feeling lately, because why should you have to be uncomfortable? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So would you, would you approach them and ask, you know, you know, I would like you to talk to somebody like I, you know, I'm available. I will not pass judgment, but also I know there are people who are professionals and oh, absolutely. They are more well yeah. equipped. So if you feel oh, more comfortable in that environment kind of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in that more professional environment, specifically some sort of therapist, uh, what should someone look for when seeking out help? Um, you're going to want to look for somebody who is trained in dealing with trauma. Okay. Um, and I have a bias towards probably finding somebody who is trained in EMDR, uh-huh. which stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing, or at least some kind of work that deals with bodily work. What happens is when you're in typical talk therapy, um, you come to understand the problem, but the memories are stored in your body and you can understand the situation and have, you know, a good handle on it, but you're still going to get triggered Mm -hmm. because as I said a moment ago, the memories are stored in your body. So, um, if you're not going to some kind of therapy that addresses um, a bodily type of therapy, then you're no matter how much understanding you have, you're still going to get triggered when certain things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And um, uh, EMDR is like a 
pretty amazing tool. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Now there's other things also. I don't know a huge amount about this, but there's a new therapy by David Grant called brain spotting. I believe that that is helpful. There are, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, um, something with an H, and I'm sorry, it's leaving me at this moment. But the point is to look for anything that has more to do with the body. But EMDR has a huge amount of clinical um, studies and research and was initially developed for post-traumatic stress disorder. And when you've had uh, this kind of abuse, you have post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to throw it out there. Um that we do have an article, at least one, I'm sure several, on EMDR on our website, mm-hmm. com. So if you wanted to read a little bit more about it, and I know there's like a hundred other resources online, thousands of resources online, but yes. um, there's a, you know, I know we have a, like a layman's terms breakdown for what goes on during EMDR, um, if that helps. Great. Um, okay, so then what could or should um, the supporting spouse do to keep themselves in a healthy space? Because I know one of the things that was brought up uh, on the do- in the documentary was they would see their spouse, you know, stay in their room for days on end in deep depression and or have, uh, you know, separate themselves from society because they were having panic, severe panic attacks and whatnot. Um, that can be extraordinarily trying on the spouse who's trying to hold the whole household together and perhaps the rest of the family. So what should that supporting spouse do while they're also trying to get help for their um, spouse who is suffering? Well, you know, they need a support system um, and and they need to do things for self-care just the way um, a caregiver of somebody who is physically ill needs to do um, and to try not to get so entangled in it that um, or enmeshed in it that they get taken down by the whole thing. They've got to be able to also understand that. Um, this is the individual's situation, and they have to deal with it. Um, and by the way, quite honestly, it's going to be a bit of a process. This is not something that's going to be a quick fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be quicker with EMDR, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, um, they have to be compassionate and understanding, but also live their lives, get the care they need for themselves, get the support they need for themselves. Um, but understand that, you know, just like, again, if your mate was physically ill and in a hospital, you would go, you would visit, you would do what you'd have to do, but then you'd leave the hospital mm-hmm. and you do what you need to for yourself. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting uh, in the, again, in the, in the Oprah piece, they were talking to one of the men and he was basically saying that um, he needed to help himself so that he could be a better father and a better husband. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, conversely, if you are to be a better caretaker, you need to be able to take yourself first. And, and it's a metaphor that I know I've repeated over and over again on the show. And, and, um, it might've come from you or likely did come from you, which is the, when you're on an airplane and the flight attendant tells you that when the oxygen mask drops, you put it on yourself first and then put it on the person sitting next to you. Because if you are passed out, you cannot help anybody. And so I, I constantly, I think it's so 
brilliant. And I go back to it all the time because that is so true. And a lot of times we like to think of ourselves as these martyr figures where it's like, I will run myself under the ground. And it's like, well, if you do that, what good are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're no yeah. good if you've been run into the ground. It's, it's so funny. Um, Okay, so then I I know this is a big, big, big topic and we're not covering everything here, but one last thing I wanted to touch upon was we talk when we talk about this kind of stuff, I think so many times we keep so narrowed of a focus on the individual um, who is being affected or maybe even the immediate family who is being affected, but we live in a larger space, a larger society, and there are friends and outside family members who you're going to interact with, um, or they're going to attempt to interact with you. And so I wanted to just ask you this question about, um, what kind of conversation or communication or openness should a couple have with friends and family members about what's going on or what they're going through? Well, I think this is a tricky one because, you know, the main issue that has occurred is that the individual, the victim of the abuse, their boundaries have been disrespected. Uh (laughs) And so it would be very disrespectful to just go, you know, to friends, neighbors, family members and tell them what's going on. Mm -hmm. You have to respect their wishes. Mm -hmm. And if they're not comfortable with you discussing it, then you have to respect that. Um, Is there like a boilerplate vanilla watered down milk toast kind of response you can give somebody that's like yeah we we have we're dealing with health issues i think that what you could do is say you know there are some issues that uh joe or joanne are dealing with right now uh that are very personal but you know he or she is working through it. We're working through it. And for, you know, a short time, um, you may see, you know, some behavior that we're not as perky as usual or we're not coming to as many family events. Please don't take it personally mm-hmm. and know that we're doing, we're, we're handling it. We're fine. Mm, um, and it, okay. And if, and, you know, also know that I know that you care and if we need help, we will reach out. I love that. That's great. Okay. Yeah. And I did think of something else I want to tell you. Oh, fantastic. Um, A lot of times one of the indications that something is going on uh, are going to show up in the bedroom. So if the individual who has been abused all of a sudden starts to not be so interested in being touched or um, intimate relationships are um, difficult or something like that, that very often is a sign that some stuff is starting to leak through. Mm, okay. No, okay, I'm, so that's yeah. another another sign that I forgot to mention. I, that's great. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, okay. I, I know we touched on quite a few things. I hope it was helpful. I want to let people know in case they aren't familiar. So again, the documentary is called Leaving Neverland. It is um, available on HBO currently. Um, I streamed it. I didn't watch it live. Uh, So if you have like the HBO Go app, for example, or on-demand services, you can watch it that way. Um, Um. Also, that's how I found the Oprah thing, because it was all bundled together. So um, I recommend that. 
Um, so with that, thank you so much, Karen. Um, it is always a pleasure and I look forward to doing this again very soon. Okay. Uh, and so before we go, I do want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Uh, Karen, as she mentioned on uh, during this episode, she has written a book, Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, um, which can help with these um, triggering incidents. So hopefully you check that out. Uh, and she is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, Dr. Karen Sherman. Com, as well as our website, hitchmag.com. And so until next time, that's going to do it. Take care, everybody.